0: We're live in three, two, I'm just kidding, we're live. We're
1: live? You didn't sing, are you okay? Usually you sing. What
0: should I sing?
1: A Lovely Day by uh, Bob Hebb. Bob Hebb? Just one look at you, and I know it's gonna be. You're talking about Bill Withers? No, oh wait, maybe I am. Then what does Bob Hebb sing? Because I get the two of them confused. They're both like rhythm and blues singers from the 70s.
0: I don't even know Bob Hebb.
1: Heb is a cool name now. Bobby Bobby Hebb, American singer. Oh, Sunny. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Sunny Sorry, day? then I did I did get them confused. Yes. No, so then I'm right because I was singing Sunny Day. No, you're singing Lovely Day. Well, same shit. No. <laughs> oh wait, no, that other song. It's like Sunny. Yesterday my life was full of pain. That one. Oh, that yeah, that's a good song. That's a sick song. I always sing that song, but I started off. I'm like. Tony, something, something—a compliment at your expense.
0: <laughs> something, something is a great compliment. Thanks, dude. I wish I received that more often. <laughs> yeah, you know what, Tony? You're looking something, something today. Thanks, man. I don't want to say it, but you also look something. <laughs> is one something better than two somethings? I, I have know.
1: no idea. I feel like I completely derailed the intro to the podcast with my musical nonsense.
0: I don't think we've ever had rails. That's, <laughs> that's true.
1: Uh, can I say something about your outer appearance today? over? Web- Wait, before you say anything
0: about my outer appearance, can you just move your mic back a little bit?
1: Oh, am I a little bit too
0: hot? You're a little hot. I'm so hot. You're just so hot, dude. How about now? You're still hot, but the mic sounds fine. <laughs> I'm blushing now. What's up? What's more you want to say about my appearance now? There might be something, something.
1: <laughs> I'm like enamored by your your shirt today, because. Oh, thanks. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it's a button-up, like collared shirt. Yeah. Um, it looks like maybe you had a formal meeting at work today, and you wanted to look good. That's right. But it all honestly, it also kind of looks like you're wearing like a kimono of sorts, right?
0: It's also the softest shirt I've ever worn.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm surprised your cat, Jack, is not all over you treating you like
0: a fucking human duvet right now. The reason he's not is because he just is so indifferent that he's never been on my lap today, so he doesn't know what he's missing. I think
1: Jack loves you about 10 times more than you ever admit to. I, you have this weird standoffish relationship with your own domestic animal, and I do not understand that shit.
0: I'll be honest with you. It's because I've always kind of preferred dogs.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, so why the fuck did you... Well, I I can answer the question, why the fuck you got a cat? Because you didn't think you could fucking be a dog owner. Yeah, I used to walk a dog and already I'm screwed. You know, that's funny. Your average dog is probably more needy than a person with like... Uh, uh, spinal muscular atrophy.
0: No, that's not true. That's not fair to the dog. (laughs) To
1: the the dog?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like what do you have to do to a dog? You bathe it every once in a while. You take it for walks every day. And then you put his poop in a bag and collect it.
1: Well, there's other things too. You have to keep them in line. Like you have to discipline them. And that's true. And you have to show them boundaries Sometimes they have like behavioral problems. I have one friend who has a dog with behavioral problems and he, unfortunately, I don't think has a maturity level, like exceeding the, the psychological issues that his dog has. And so I really don't think he's capable of sort of mitigating the potential for that dog's behavior to become problematic, Yeah, (laughs) which is maybe not something I should say on our fucking podcast, but I also know that he's not going to hear this because he's not a faithful listener to my shit. So I really don't care. (laughs)
0: I almost got a service dog when I was in first year university. Did I ever tell you that? What happened? Well, First of all, let me tell you what a service dog application process looks like, or at least what it did look like in 2009 or whatever it was. When I
1: wait one sec, are you about to argue that like the the bureaucratic element of it actually dissuaded you from getting
0: a service dog? No, no, I ended up being offered it and turning it down.
1: Oh, interesting. I thought I thought it was going to be this whole thing where you applied for the dog and you jumped through all the all these hoops like you're at a fucking dog and pony show and then and then they're like, "Oh, it turns out you're not disabled enough in this particular
0: category or something." I think a dog and pony show would have been more practical than what I went through. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz, here's what happened. Okay. So, first you start with like the paperwork, which is whatever. It's like Are you disabled? Yes. Prove it. (laughs) And then you like send in a picture of your wheelchair, and they're like, "Okay, but send a video of us of you using it." Imagine if
1: every time you had to prove you're disabled, like instead of getting a formal doctor's note, they would just like arbitrarily stand you outside of your mobility aid and watch you like noodle flop to the
0: ground. (laughs) Yeah, they just put my head off the headrest and be like, "Fix it."
1: (laughs) (laughs) You have thirty seconds to fix that shit.
0: So I had a doctor be like, Anthony is in fact extremely disabled. He
1: used the word extremely?
0: No, of course not. I think they used like medically complex or something absurd.
1: Medically complex. Yeah. I wish we could like bring George Carlin back from the dead so he could describe our disabilities
0: to us. I don't. Yeah, he would uh, probably roast us.
1: Well, yeah, but it would be like because he's like such a linguistic uh, talent. He would do it yeah. in a way that we would love him afterwards, and it would still be somewhat empathetic and considerate.
0: Okay, so you you apply, you get accepted into the program, mm-hmm. as in like they they accept your paperwork, they accept that you're disabled, and then they sent out a van with two people and a bunch of dogs. Weird. And then the two people get out and they walk into my house and they're like, okay, so we're here from the organization to give you a service dog. Uh-huh. Turns out your application is true and you are in a wheelchair. Good uh-huh. to see. Uh-huh. Now let's see how you would do with a dog. So they give you like a brief rundown of what it would be like to have a service dog. And they're basically like, okay, so these dogs come with you tra- come to you trained. But you do have to, you know, maintain their discipline and reward them for good behavior and discipline them for bad behavior because they're working. And if if you make it feel like they're still working and they still have a job, they will be happy. But if you don't maintain that, they'll just turn into a dog again and they'll just have fun and they don't care what you want. So what we're going to do is we're going to pretend that I'm a dog. No. Remember how I said there were dogs in the van? Yeah. They just left the dogs in the van.
1: They never they didn't bring any dogs into our apartment. They didn't
0: bring any dogs in. They were just in the van. So
1: what's the point of the dog van?
0: I think it was just to expose them to being in a van. I don't even know. She comes and she gets on all fours. Do I do I want you to continue?
1: Like are you sure that you called a a helper dog agency and not like an escort service? She sure, was like, every time a dog misbehaves, <laughs> the dog must be spanked. <laughs> <laughs> Very often, the dog will lie over top of your lap. Dogs don't wear clothes. Why would I be wearing clothes? <laughs> don't be alarmed if the dog takes it out of your trousers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's weird territory I'm not ready to explore. Okay. Um, So... <laughs> she's on all fours walking beside me, and I'm wheeling around my house. Oh, my God. I, this is this making me so uncomfortable. And she's like, she's like, okay, so now you want me to stay close. So the command for that would be, I don't know, close. I don't remember the commands. <laughs> but I'd be like, okay, close. And at first I'd just be like, okay, close. Because I was like, not bought into the whole idea that I'm talking to a 40 year old woman on her hands and knees as if she was my dog. Can I ask
1: you a weird question? Yeah. Did this woman seem like she was with it, or did she like was she yeah, quite she odd? She seemed
0: really nice.
1: Okay, like, too like nice? she was
0: probably like a golden retriever. <laughs> oh, yeah? yeah, she was well trained. She was well trained, well groomed. So she Maybe had a, a yellow si- lab.
1: Wait a minute, wait a minute. She had an assistant with her.
0: Yeah, I don't even remember. What, I think the assistant was just, like, following us with a clipboard taking notes.
1: Oh, that's uh, that's weird. I I was just thinking, like, what if they also got on all fours and you just had two people... I just had
0: to wrangle two human dogs.
1: And then I'd be worried the whole time about running over their hands or, like, not driving properly.
0: It's funny you brought that up because she actually did say, when you tell me to get close to you, I'm going to get very close because I'm trained to get very close to you. Now... Your your instinct is to, to want to not run over me, of course. And of course, you shouldn't try to run over me. But just so you know, it's not uncommon for us, uh, for people with their service dogs to run over their service dogs.
1: Oh, wow. And
0: I was that was like the first red flag for me. Because I wasn't ready to start running over a dog that literally just, without a choice, gave up his life to pick up my remote control that I dropped exactly and now i'm just running it over
1: i'm just wondering like how committed would she have been to playing the role of this dog like what if you threw her like a dog treat
0: (laughs) she was so committed that at certain points uh i would like i would be like going through the kitchen and she would start sniffing the garbage
1: that that is bizarre
0: so that i could be like nope come back nope come here the, the, this, is, or whatever.
1: this is like right out of uh the tv program that we're supposed to view today or review
0: today it's one of those things where it felt so absurd in the moment i was like if i wrote this people would think i'm just slapstick over the top and like almost lazy
1: it, right, yeah
0: so you had
1: there was no one else there to witness this going on like you didn't but have my
0: parents were there
1: Oh, God. And th- yeah. what did they What did they think about the whole thing?
0: I don't remember. I don't even know if I've ever asked them about it. I remember just being very uncomfortable. But she also, like, commented on how I was. She was like, okay, but remember, because I started talking to the dog like it was a woman on her knees beside me. I'd be like, okay, come here. Uh, and she'd be like, no, you have to talk to me like I'm a dog.
1: Oh, God. Like, come a I- doggy.
0: I was just and thinking, was like, no, if someone right.
1: started listening to this podcast like 10 minutes in without context, they'd be like, what <laughs> the fuck are you talking about?
0: <laughs> yeah, it was absurd. Anyway, so I went through the whole process and I ended up getting, like, I succeeded, I guess. I got the human away <laughs> from the garbage successfully. And she, um, so then they called me sometime, like a month or two into my first year of university. But at this point, I was sort of settled in a bit. I had a pretty good idea of what university life was going to be like. And to be completely honest, first year university for me was just a lot of partying. Oh, yeah. And I knew that it was like irresponsible of me to have a dog that I wasn't really committed to taking care of and going through that whole lifestyle. So I turned it down and then they called me again a few months later and they are like, we have another dog that would be a good match for you. Do you want this one? And I ended up turning that one down as well. Uh, and then I was like, you know what? Just take me off the list. I think i will change my mind. But over the past like year or so, I started to consider going through the process again because A, I would love a dog and that's like a pretty amazing way to get a dog because they're super well-behaved dogs. They're well-trained and they also can be helpful, right? Mm-hmm. But I still think about and walking a dog, and I know you can get like a dog walker, and I don't know if I'd get enough use out of it as a service dog versus just a
1: dog. It makes me wonder how much fuller your life would be if you stopped feeling guilty for the amount of effort you'd have to go through to get the care that you require. You know what I mean like like if you didn't have to be self conscious about direct funding and the number of attendants you have um coming into your personal space to make sure that you can do everything you need to do and if you could just have a fucking service dog and you could hire the people necessary to walk it and to properly socialize it bring it to the dog park whatever so you could actually be like a full um uh working adult in your early 30s and have help in every way that you need how much fucking fuller would your life be and 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 how much better would it be to relieve all that all the cognitive overhead of having to settle for less than fucking sufficient care in your life i i think about that all the time like if if the sky was the limit on the help we could receive it would be so goddamn boss like never mind never mind money or like or wealth or exuberance or whatever just like optimal care how yeah. how rich would you feel as a wheelie? You'd feel so fucking baller. It's, it's, it'd be like metaphorical rims on your fucking
0: power chair wheels. The other day, I don't know if I want to get into all this, but I have been thinking about it a lot because um, I'm constantly really self-conscious about the amount of care that I need and how I hold myself during my care, like whether I'm too grumpy or too relaxed or (laughs) too controlling or I just don't think people realize like how much I would love to not have to think about any of this yeah the fact that the fact that I have to think about having a shower today in case I can't have a shower tomorrow or having a half-ass shower today in case the person who comes tomorrow does a half-ass job or something I've put so much money and time into the technology in my apartment to make it so that I need less help. Uh And people still constantly here are accusing me of needing too much help. And it's so frustrating to me because I, I work so hard to not need that stuff.
1: It's like being in a relationship with someone where you do everything that you can to stay out of their hair and give them space. And they're still telling you that like, they need they need additional accommodation from you like you're doing as much as you can yeah yeah i totally get that especially because it's quite rare for a disabled person to do what you do and i i don't mean that as a criticism toward other wheelies it's just that i guess they they don't have the expertise or the time to optimize their lives the way that you do and you're lucky that your profession also overlaps with your needs and so you can yeah. you know you have the bandwidth to do these kinds of things and still despite doing these things to make your attendance lives easier is essentially what you're saying you still get pushback
0: it's also my own life because i i want the autonomy and i want the independence and i i want to be able to just leave my house whenever I want and not have to call and tend to open the door or something. Right. I would say it's mostly selfish. Like I wouldn't mind asking for help, although I am very conscious of it. Like the amount of times I'll be a little bit uncomfortable while I'm sleeping and I'll be like, ah, oh, it's fine. I can get through this one. I can just sleep it out. Or like I have to pee, but it's, only like 45 minutes before they're coming anyway and i'm like oh i can just wait 45 minutes
1: as you get older though you can like your uh your bladder resilience and your capacity to deal with like even the slightest discomfort while sitting it like takes a toll on your energy level and your basic um capacity for discomfort yeah i, I find i find like one of the worst indicators of how comfortable I'll be tomorrow is how poorly I sleep or the position I fall asleep in uh, the night before. Like it, it actually makes a substantial difference. Even when I'm exercising and eating properly, it's like, these are things that you can't afford to just make concessions about, even though they they seem
0: small or whatever. Yeah. I think I'm also really conscious of the fact that as I get older, I'm just going to need more help. So Mm-hmm. If I'm already at the point where they think I'm at my limit of the help that I'm entitled to, and then I get, mo- I get older and I'm going to need more help, which translates into
1: more time. It's not a, it's not a problem that you should have to deal with. It's a systemic problem in the program that you belong to. For sure. And it's a co- consequence of them, of the program being designed to constantly pinch the care pennies. Like the, they're, they're not telling you that you're a burden because you are, they're telling you that you need to change because you have that elasticity and that empathy to make these concessions and they know it and they're taking advantage of you. That's what it's fucking exploitation.
0: And it's bullshit. So I, I've been in those situations before where I was so complacent. Yeah. So easy going to the point of being complacent. <laughs> you
1: know what's you know what's funny? I, I, I cut you off. I, I just want to finish this thought. Like I, I was thinking, like, in The Office, the the TV show The Office, like the characters who aren't the heroes, Michael Scott or or Dwight Schrute or these um people with exaggerated characteristics that uh uh, their their personalities are quite overwhelming for the more quote-unquote normal people in the workplace because they're just so exhaustive and extreme and whatever. But part of what makes them so fun to watch is that they have such poor theory of mind. Like they really don't understand how other people see them and that's what allows them to continue to behave as they do. So like in your program, in the attendant care program that you belong to, if you acted like you couldn't really empathize with your attendance, like you didn't really understand how much uh, work your care represented for them in their daily lives and the performance of their jobs. The irony is that you would probably
0: get more of the care that you need. It's like, I don't think so. Because then I think that they would just chalk you up as like delusional. And then they would start prescribing your care more rather than Letting it be mm. self-participatory.
1: That could be true. But then, but then you would also have to start playing the, the, the bureaucratic game that they play where you start understanding the rules under which they operate. And if they tell you that you're asking for too much, then you just start citing the rules and showing that you have no, no mercy yourself and making sure that they follow them.
0: Well, I don't think it's a stretch, especially with the episode we're about to get into to say that Michael Scott would make a really bad wheelie.
1: Oh, yeah, he would make a fantastically bad wheelie.
0: Yeah, and I think even if he was like actually disabled, let's say Michael Scott had SMA,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: he would have a hard time getting care and having people stick around. But I also think he wouldn't be able to navigate the bureaucracy and just self-advocate for the care that he needs.
1: I don't know if that's the case because I, well, okay. So do we want to introduce the episode or should we keep, keep talking?
0: I mean, either we
1: can introduce the episode. Okay. So for today's episode, we decided to do something a little light because the last couple of weeks, it was a two-parter and it was a series that was very heavy. Wait,
0: before we do this, I actually wanted to ask how your fame is going. I'm.
1: It, it was just 15 minutes. It's over now. There's it's, it's all over.
0: Is it over now? I'm pretty sure you hit Taiwan.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. There was a, a Taiwanese news outlet that made a version of the video.
0: It, it, they almost like edited it like a game show too, <laughs> where like the elevator door opens and like, bing, and then like yeah. you get in. And it's like, ho, ho, ho. yeah, yeah.
1: They like they gave it like the the uh, audio and visual aesthetics of like a plinko machine or whatever
0: it's like those korean game shows
1: yeah basically the video the the elevator video of me laughing hysterically has gone viral internationally and so my friends are finding reinterpretations of the original source material that are quite amusing
0: so no you don't feel any different you don't feel, uh, feel like no. it's affected you
1: no, I, it's given our podcast a little bit more exposure. I think we, we, we doubled our weekly views from what they normally are at this point um, in the which month. Which is awesome. Which is pretty cool. Some uh, people from my workplace have reached out to tell me what they think of the podcast, which is also really cool Same. and appreciated. And um, so, yeah, there's been there's been some really nice consequences. But overall, it's really calmed down from last week when we were being called constantly in the middle of the work day to do like over the phone interviews and all that kind of
0: stuff. <laughs> all right. Back to disabled Michael Scott.
1: Can I say one more sort of a uh, non sequitur? Yeah. Just before we started the podcast today, my mom um, came into the garage and on the days when we record, she's very uh, overcautious around coming around my garage because she really doesn't want to interrupt the flow of things and, uh,
0: Have you told her that we want her as a guest on the podcast?
1: I haven't told her that because I have no idea how that's going to go, and I really don't know what you're going to ask her, and I'm terrified of that.
0: Well, I'm excited about it.
1: I know you are, and you have every reason to be excited, but I, I actually think she would love to talk to you.
0: You could interview my mom if you want, but I don't think it would be as exciting as you think.
1: Well, I guess we both have the same outlook then. Yeah. Okay, but anyway, so my mom came down into the garage, and... Whenever I tell her that I'm recording, which is usually once a week, her immediate follow-up question will be, "Oh, who are you interviewing today?" Because they're very proud of the fact that that we interviewed Maggie and and Anthony and Andrew as well. They just love this idea that we're consulting with all these quote unquote high-profile wheelies. So when I just tell them that all I'm doing is talking to you this week. (laughs) <laughs> there's like a note of disappointment in them like oh, like,
0: oh yeah isn't that what you do every day <laughs> yeah yeah
1: like oh is this just fun for you like this isn't you're not taking this seriously are you i'm just like Mom, do you ever what? hype
0: it up like who are you interviewing today and you're like, anthony
1: <laughs> no i should start doing that yeah you should like make it like it's a big deal the problem is that they don't really know you and that's kind of frustrating to me that's true like i i mean you lived in my building for years and i think you were even at my house when they when they visited i mean i've met them yeah but we've never like broken
0: bread together
1: no and all they really need like know to do when they hear that i'm talking to you over discord is to ask how your fucking cat is (laughs) honestly i feel a little bit self-conscious of that because i think I think my mom is nervous about not being able to hear you when she talks to you. So she limits her interactions to like little pleasantries. Uh,
0: that happens to me when I'm at like a bar, people will ask me a question and then I'll like scream my answer, but it still comes out as a whisper. Yeah. And then people will just be like, okay. And then just walk away.
1: Yeah. And then you're like, well, fuck, I wanted to talk to you because you seemed really cool and I wanted your number. Yeah.
0: And then they're just like, uh bye okay and it's like they don't want to make me uncomfortable by yeah. asking questions over and over again i don't know to me it's way better if someone just is like sorry what was that sorry again whenever. whatever i know that i'm quiet yeah well like we said
1: you need a megaphone for the bar or like or they should literally like let you tap into the the bar like audio system and then you, you just take over the primary
0: mic I think that might be why I like karaoke so much because <laughs> like people can actually hear me for the first time.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I just start talking
0: and people are, are like, oh, he I, says stuff.
1: Those those moments are always like so bittersweet for me, like when you you make a minor alteration to your appearance or like even so, when people suddenly realize that you're a person in addition to being disabled. I I, whenever that moment happens, I always feel it click for them. And then I I'm I'm happy for them. But I also hate that I constantly go through that moment with every new person that I meet.
0: It's I don't know. There's nothing you can do about it.
1: It's like kind of like the first like a kiss with a partner, but it's like the first connection, social connection with a non wheelie.
0: Just wait. Do you see how hard it is to understand me? (laughs) Disabled Michael Scott. Wait, you have some clips here from Special.
1: Yeah, I thought I was wondering if we were going to explore some of the ideas that we left on the table from the last episode, but we don't have to do
0: that. Is there anyone in particular that you really, really wanted to talk about?
1: There's, there's one part of Special that we didn't talk about, which um, kind of has to do with wheelie hygiene, and it, it, it's a, it's a topic that's really sensitive to me, but. Uh, Basically, yeah, Ryan goes through an intimate moment with his boyfriend that, that ends up being slightly unsanitary.
0: Uh,
1: he, he 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 reacts very very poorly, and I wanted to talk about that a bit if if we had time.
0: Um,
1: you just don't know if we can work it in there or what.
0: I just don't know if I want to revisit Yeah, it was so good. Okay, what's it called?
1: You don't want me to set it up, eh? Because it's gross or what?
0: I kind of was happy living in the moment of Michael Scott and
1: why don't we just do this like out of the gate? We'll do it as like a little side bit and then if it's not appropriate, we'll cut it out.
0: Yeah, we can do it. I'm just already grossed out, that's all. Okay, fine.
1: I'll 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 fucking set it up. You don't have to comment if you don't want to, if it's too gross for you. Set it up. All right. So uh this is like uh the
0: guy in the bombing shirts on his dick. <laughs> yeah there
1: you go you fucking you knocked that shit out of the park gosh how often does it happen because you know i i clean there regardless no matter what's on like the sexual agenda so Ryan, what are you trying to do here make me feel bad i'm sorry okay when you weren't able to top me before i didn't make a huge deal about it okay do you want like a medal so here's the thing like personal hygiene is a sensitive subject for wheelies, like of all shapes and sizes, of all ability levels. Yeah. Be- because, because like we often arrive at some kind of self-sufficient personal hygiene a lot later in our lives than your average able-bodied person.
0: Let me tell you a secret. I have occasionally lied about having a date that night just to make sure I get actual cleaned crunch.
1: Yeah, that's fucked up.
0: I'll be like, yeah, can you just do it again? Have a date tonight. And the thing is, I probably don't even need to say that, but I I really, we've talked about this before. I think there are some people that every time I ask them to do it again, they think I'm just being a perv.
1: Well, but you're worried about that you're projecting. That may not necessarily be true. Quite often, probably most of the people who helped you shower understand the importance of having clean junk.
0: I don't know. Some people actively avoid it. Everyone needs clean
1: junk. Why is this a fucking debate? I don't
0: know. Anyway, (laughs) okay, so we,
1: um, so what this is one part of special that I didn't really like because, well, not didn't like, but it it was something I want to talk about because personal hygiene is a hot button topic and hot butthole topic, hot butthole topic. And yeah, I even find like maybe there's like some kind of I could be totally wrong about this, but at Carlton I somehow sometimes got the vibe that there that the social hierarchy was determined by uh who could shower themselves versus the amount of help that they needed to to bathe.
0: It would be fun if we started a working list of our hierarchy of disability.
1: Yeah. But then it would that would be very, very controversial. Yeah.
0: In any case.
1: In this particular scene, Ryan and his boyfriend have sex and his boyfriend is not really prepared. Uh, so Ryan gets a little grossed out by some unsanitary consequences. There you go. That's my euphemistic description. Mm-hmm. And so so Ryan's reaction is to be like, you, 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 how disgusting, how could you not be clean or whatever? Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking like, yeah, yeah, yeah. keep saying, mm-hmm, like you hate me for bringing this up. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking like, how many times in your life have you been horrified by the idea of not being clean enough? you've just described how you have to manipulate your attendants into washing your fucking balls so that mm-hmm. you're so that you're clean right and Ryan should probably have had several parallel experiences to that so Ryan washes his own balls though yeah, sure he does, but I mean i'm sure there, there are some days where it 's difficult or you know he doesn't have the fucking flexibility to part his legs and really get in every nook and cranny <laughs> yep. by the way sorry to all of our like adult listeners who don't really want to hear any of this graphic bullshit what about me who doesn't want to hear any of this? <laughs> i don't care about <laughs> I, I don't care about you I, I care about you but i think we need to discuss this and i just because it's a little bit gross doesn't mean it's not worth talking about so Ryan should be like, oh, like, I mean, I guess able body people are, are unsanitary sometimes too. And maybe maybe I don't have to be as self-conscious of how clean I am from time to time. You know, like you know, maybe he'd have a little bit of fucking empathy for Tanner and not make it like this like uh gross out like sex comedy moment and like sort of right. under underwrite it once again.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Like it was we've talked about how forced it was that they really tried to make Tanner all of a sudden go from good guy to bad guy. Yeah. And this was just a moment where they just were trying to force Ryan into a position where he wouldn't want to be with him. Yeah. And I 100% agree. If I was in that situation, first of all, you, you know the consequences. You know that that can happen.
1: Sure. I mean, it's like by definition, like, come on now, Yeah. you know, you know, you know that that could happen. It's no, no mystery how it got there.
0: No, where it's coming from or where it's going. Yeah. If that happened, I would hope that you're right. Ryan should have been like, Oh, that's okay. I can never wash my own feet because I can't lift them up and still balance.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I get athletes foot on a regular basis because I have weird, uh, cerebral palsy bunions, yeah, and also poor circulation in certain areas. So, y- you might be self conscious now, Tanner, but just you wait until I have a bad foot day or something.
0: And it's not fair to poop shame someone, I don't think.
1: I, this is a bit personal, but so in my previous relationship, one of the only fights we ever had was like really early on, I guess, like within the first six months, she, she like, uh, washed my power chair seat and like kind of did it in secret or didn't want me to know about it. And I kind of like caught on. I was like, Hey, like, uh, is everything okay? She's like, yeah, it's just like, you know, it's the middle of summer. You're a sweaty guy. Like, yeah. (laughs) You know, the humid humidity in Ottawa is awful and your chair needed to be washed. And I didn't really want to tell you that it smelled. So I went ahead and did it anyway. And then we had this like like open discussion like hey like if i ever if anything about me or my chair or anything ever grosses you out like you have to tell me because it, it it doesn't do me any any service uh pretending that there's a problem or or pretending that there isn't a problem yeah. i want to be aware of these things because i i want to be the best person that i can be and i, I don't want it to like diminish our intimate lives or whatever and so it but it, it kind of became a fight because i was like pretty self-conscious of this stuff and it's something that is like deep deep in me it's like how when i was a kid i used to ha- like insist on wearing baggy pants because my my uh, legs were atrophied and they, they looked like non-existent uh if if i wore like normal wasted uh jeans and so i'd always wear baggy jeans to make it look like i had like wider thighs or whatever. And I used to hate if I bought a pair of pants that made me look, quote unquote, more disabled. And so this idea that there was a part of my chair that was unsanitary and I wasn't aware of it, I was absolutely mortified. And then I was in this relationship where I was really happy and I liked her in every dimension and she was a good person. And she like she was grossed out by something, but she didn't feel comfortable telling me. Like I felt awful. So that was one of the first, like, Semi heated discussions that we ever had, I and mean, we probably should have had more than our relationship might have lasted longer. But in any case, we had to have that discussion. And so, you know, this this situation happens in in a special, and like you know, Tanner's the villain because he doesn't wash his butt or something. And just <laughs> I was like, come on, there's got to be more nuance here. Like
0: it'd be funny if she like like thought that you had notice like broccoli in your teeth or like you had bad breath and you wake up in the middle of night and she's brushing your teeth
1: exactly like if you had halitosis or something something not related to your disability or you know stinky armpits I don't know anything that's sort of like uncomfortable that way Like
0: it could still be related to your disability that should be on the table
1: well I'm just saying that you would you would want your partner to let you know you know you wouldn't want to have to find out Secretly, or and she was trying to save me some embarrassment, so I shouldn't have gotten upset.
0: Well, yeah, you want to be in a, in a place with your partner where that's not an embarrassing moment. And they can just be like, yo, your, butt, your uh, butt seat kind of stinks. And you just be like, oh, that's gross. We should wash it. It's like a pretty normal function. I think as a
1: disabled person, you're often like way too self-conscious of how people coddle you. Like people want to be polite and they want to accommodate you, so they don't want to tell you when. Te- like, please don't, please don't protect us from, from those things. We we want to fucking know.
0: Exactly, I think that people innately look at you and they go, "Oh, wow, he already has enough to deal with. He has enough to get through every day. Yeah, I don't need to add to it by telling him his butt covers are uh, stinky. Yeah, but it's good to know because sometimes. You know, maybe it's just something I totally forgot about. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's been a while since I washed my butt cover. I should probably wash it. It'd be funny if
1: that was like a metric for like how civilized or su- or progressive or, or successful a country is. And it's like developments, like how, how clean the average disabled butthole is.
0: If we can get to a point where at the United Nations, they're talking about the average disabled butthole is cleanliness on a wheelchair <laughs> yeah. or on a disabled person. Uh, I think that means that we've made
1: it. Exactly. Yeah. What would they call that? It would be like the gross.
0: <laughs> what am I trying to say? Oh, I fucked it up. I don't even know why you're trying to go.
1: The gross domestic butthole. The gross disabled. The
0: Tony help. I mean, gross. It kind of like <laughs> writes itself when the first word is gross. All right. <laughs> uh, Can we talk about something uh, funny and light now for the first time in what feels like four episodes? 30 years? Sure. Yeah. I want to say, first of all, Kyle Hanna, shout Mm -hmm. out to Kyle, suggested this as an episode. And we jumped on it because, I mean, I already knew from the get-go that I wanted to cover more lighthearted stuff because... We've kind of been on a downward trajectory in terms of darkness of disability. Like, we've gotten pretty deep into the nuance. We've literally gone to buttholes. That's how deep we've gotten into
1: it. Yeah, we're like deep into the eye of the anus.
0: Yeah. So today we are covering an episode of The Office. And by no means is this a slouch, because this is, it is a hilarious show, and maybe the funniest episode of the series, but it's very much a disability episode, maybe more than some of the disability movies we've watched.
1: Yeah, there's more sort of um, reflections upon disability in these 20 minutes than there are in most disabled films
0: yeah so I would honestly recommend, and maybe that's your process as a listener anyway, but for this one, like treat yourself and go watch this episode before you finish this the our discussion because we're gonna clip it a lot, and I always feel like that can take some stuff out of context and ruin the joke when you hear it the first time in context, so I think it would be good for you to go. And it's a terrible thing to say, but stop listening to our podcast and go watch this episode before coming back.
1: Yeah. Hop on Netflix and find uh, the episode from season two called the injury.
0: Yeah. Season two, episode 12.
1: So I think part of the reason why these 20 minutes work so well is because you have that, that um, foundation of knowing these characters quite well up until the midpoint of the second season. Like, The question of how would Michael Scott react to being temporarily disabled is a fun and easy one to explore because we know just what a uh, deplorable person he can be and the dynamics between him and his underlings. You know, the people that work for Michael sort of have to tolerate him because of the natural hierarchy of the office and because their mandate on a daily basis is simply to get through the workday so they're willing to accommodate his bullshit. And knowing all this, um, him suffering through disability for a day is quite hilarious.
2: Hop. I tried hopping, Kevin, and I bumped my elbow against the wall, and now my elbow has a protuberance. No one
0: wants to pick me up! (laughs) So, he's just trying to get someone to come help him, and obviously nobody wants to, because he doesn't deserve that. But... The the episode's great because he just wants everyone to dote on him the whole time and to treat him like because he's now burned his foot, he's basically entitled to everything somebody has from like a physical, from birth, genetic disability. Yeah, he he believes that his
1: injured foot gives him a kind of special status that entitles him to ask for the world from his... Uh, employees. And because because he has a pathological desire to be um, loved, he sort of wants to be treated the way that he would treat his employees. The way that they sort of act indifferent to his injury and in some sense act like he deserved it because of the ridiculousness of the circumstance, it makes him all the more angry in addition to the pain that he's feeling. And so, in addition to coping with a burnt foot, Michael is also gradually kind of understanding what the actual social dynamics are between him and the people under him. So there's all kinds of really interesting elements sort of floating around. Um, by the way, yeah, in the morning he's he he's trying to what he does is he lays a a a, a toaster oven underneath the bed to like prepare bacon. So it's actually at the foot of his bed. But this morning he gets up so quickly that he forgets and he like steps on the 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 grill and then he fries himself. Right. So it's to- totally a ridiculous situation. So they all think, oh, well, you kind of deserve you've you've made your bed, so to speak. And so they're just like, I don't understand why this is our problem. You should have just stayed home today. But instead he comes into work on crutches and tries to make a big fucking thing of it. And it's fu- it's fantastic.
2: Morning everyone. Don't freak out. I forbid anybody to freak out. Clearly I have had a very serious accident, but I will recover. God willing. I just want to be treated normally today. Normal would actually be good considering the trauma that I've been. You missed through. two big conference calls today, one with corporate. Oh, did you explain why? No, I didn't mention that you cooked your foot.
1: <laughs> yeah. So they uh, they don't take him seriously, and he's super angry about it.
0: Yeah, but then the the reason they it's not like they're all just being asses to him. Like he's just super demanding. Like they-
2: what? Come here, please. Tell me before I come there. No, I want to rub butter on my foot. No. Pam, please. I have country crock. No.
1: Ryan! 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 So, yeah, he's like trying to render everyone into his personal attendant and they just won't comply. And he's just like, what the fuck? Like, I would do this for you any day. Like, how come you wouldn't reciprocate for me? And then suddenly this whole idea that he has in his head, in his head that he's this fearless leader that is beloved by his employees is like kind of shattered. And so he's just being a big fucking baby. And they're all, they're like, everyone's kind of enjoying that he's in pain, that he's suffering because they make, because his sort of management style makes them suffer so much on a daily basis. So yeah, it's a kind of a, a catharsis. Also, shout out to Mindy
0: Kaling, who wrote this episode. And yeah, you can tell, I'm sure it was a writer's room, but you can just tell the insight. That she and the writers had into disability because there were some little lines in here. We haven't clipped the whole episode. I wish we could just play you the episode. Yeah. Gold from start to finish. Yep. But there are some little lines in here that there's one line that we didn't clip that I really loved where he's basically getting Ryan to go out and do all of his bidding. And like, I'm disabled, so you need to go and get me food from this particular store that's inconvenient. And Ryan ends up coming back with some chocolate pudding and Michael's eating it. And he looks at the camera and goes, you know, Ryan's kindness has healed me or has healed my disability. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think it takes a whole lot of insight to know that that is something people really think that like the thoughts and prayers of the disability community is Basically, someone putting a hand on your shoulder and saying, "I will pray for you and you'll get better." Imagine it was as easy as just eating some chocolate pudding
1: with extra strength uh, Tylenol crushed in. The thing about the Office that I love, like I I rewatched it uh, this winter. It was kind of my way of uh, coping with seasonal affective disorder. I put on one of these like eight season marathons and just sort of soak it all in. The thing I love about The Office is like um, there's something about the mockumentary format that like it gets at the truth of people's motivations and behaviors. Okay, so the conceit of The Office, which I'm sure everyone knows, is that there's a documentary crew filming a workplace over an extended period of time. And every once in a while, they do talking head interviews with the employees. And they basically just have cameras on them at all times as they go through their work, work day. And so there's kind of three... Modes that every character is in there's how they behave in front of their coworkers uh in a in a social setting like at group meetings and whatnot there's how they behave when they know they're in front of the camera basically how they perform when they know they have a wider audience, and then there's how they behave when they don't know that they're being watched and I think with the mockumentary format, you have this unique sort of dynamic where you you can You can film people when they are completely disarmed, when they don't realize that people are watching. So you get these odd moments, these odd glances away from the camera or away from characters. Shots of the characters being highly vulnerable or um, basically, yeah, just themselves. And I think the multi-camera format doesn't really allow for these truths. Uh, And so... It it fosters a kind of like empathy and understanding for each of these characters that is a lot deeper than you'd get from a more traditional sitcom. And I think that sort of makes up for the slower pacing of a show like The Office or Parks and Recreation. It's a great show.
0: It's like, uh, it's just fun and light and the characters are all relatable, but also ridiculous at the same time. Mm-hmm. The, the ensemble is perfect for any situation, really. So you can kind of tackle any issue. The characters are just so three-dimensional and fleshed out that I feel like the, the dialogue always seems so natural. And obviously, that's credit to the writers, but mm-hmm. it really does feel like someone has created real people and they're just... the It almost writes itself, you know? You... You put the premise on the show on an an episode and the dialogue just kind of flows naturally from there. Because it's kind of, I
1: mean, it it mimics real life in a lot of ways. Like we all perform in front of our coworkers in certain contexts and we all like wear different masks depending on the situation. I think the office kind of um, tries to explore all the different masks that its characters wear and even its most exaggerated characters like Dwight or Michael even they have so many little moments of humanity that make when they behave so awfully like a lot more palpable but yeah in this episode in particular like the, 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 there's the scene where Michael tries to go to the bathroom for the first time like with his crutches and uh, he falls it it's it it plays out wonderfully oh! What what happened?
2: I fell off the toilet. I'm caught between the toilet and the wall. What do you need? No, not you. Someone else. Get Pam.
0: I think Pam's gonna
1: wanna come into the men's room.
2: Get Ryan! Oh, he needs to lift me! And he needs to clean me up a little bit. Bring a wet towel!
1: Ryan is uh dead?
2: No, he's not. Dead. I just saw him.
1: You can you just get up yourself? I you only grilled your foot.
2: No, forget it. I'll just get up myself. No! How? Oh! oh! Oh, God! I
1: I think Michael's also mad that even when he's like in a position where he's ostensibly vulnerable, he can't force his his co-workers into being nicer to him or or treating him like one of the one of the crew
0: yeah but he tells pam like your job is to be my friend
1: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and that's something he's coping throughout the uh, coping with throughout the entire series um where at first he kind of is like more of a populist he just does whatever he thinks needs to occur to ingratiate himself uh himself uh with the cooler coworkers or whatever but over time he kind of softens and is less of a insufferable sycophant and his actual desire to, to help and care for people um, outside the constraints of the bureaucracy of his job, like makes him much more of a interesting and relatable character. Anyway, this bathroom scene I loved because it, it is a real struggle to use forearm crutches in a fucking wet bathroom. And I've fallen many, many times like whether I was drunk or sober in my own accessible bathroom space, I just, everything that he goes through here is kind of real, like falling off the toilet and like not knowing what to do and it being an actual crisis point. But then it's, it's made somewhat sweeter for some reason because like no one is taking it seriously because yeah, he is overreaching or whatever. It's like, he's a child trying to get out of a school day by like, exaggerating an illness
0: i also like when he tries he's so desperate for people to think that he's disabled that he brings like the one disabled guy from the organization in yeah and tries to like rally him behind michael but obviously just falls flat and that character actually ends up being in another episode which we did watch because there's like a couple or at least one good line from that episode but yeah it's it's one of, it's it's actually like really hard to break this one down because it's such it's just such a good episode that it's you kind of just want to i just want people to watch it
1: yeah so like michael's ignorance it, it always seems uh um, exaggerated for effect or for comedy but in fact a, a lot of the assumptions that he makes about what disability is like are things that disabled people encounter from the able-bodied world on a daily basis. He's like the exaggerated comic id of the one woman at your job that makes like motorized vehicle sounds when you drive by her in your power chair or like the one middle management boss that constantly jokes about how you shouldn't drive around with mysterious beverages (laughs) <laughs> like like in your cup holder or something because you might get a dui or the one person who asked you whether you've retrofitted your power chair with bullshit uh help me tony what am i trying to say
0: yes some spinners on that thing can you uh can you not it up? but how fast does that thing go yeah. You think I can beat you in a race? You want to go for a race? Don't run me over, bud. You got some hydraulics in that thing. How about some underglow? Yo, how many gears that thing have? You ever put? You think you could pull me in that? Yo, you going to hit me a ride. Whoa, whoa, slow down.
1: I sprained my ankle uh, skating once, and I was uh, in a cast and crutches for two weeks. Uh, I can't even believe. I can't even believe you left the house today.
2: Can I ask you a question? Do you know what it's like to be disabled? Awesome. <laughs> I had scoliosis as a girl. Never heard of it. No, a real disability, not a woman's trouble. When I was a teenager, I was in an iron lung. Well, how, how old are you? No, it. Look, the point is. I am the only one here who has a legitimate disability. Although I'm sure Stanley has had his fair share of obstacles.
0: I'm not disabled, and neither are you. Okay. And it
1: makes me wonder if Mindy has had, like, disabled friends, and she knows exactly how to, like, uh, confront these issues in a funny way.
0: Yeah, I was also wondering, like, where do you think, like, I think it's some of these jokes you, you, you can probably, as a comedian, you know, you try to introspect and reflect on society pretty consistently, and I'm sure she's seen that. But like I said earlier, I really do think that a lot of the, the jokes that she makes and the, the insinuations that are made from those jokes show that she has some level of familiarity with disability, which is awesome.
1: Let's play the clip of when Michael actually brings a, a legitimately disabled person into the fray. He calls a, he calls a, um, a staff room meeting and invites this guy who, uh, was paralyzed as a child. He's in a manual chair, and this guy just thinks that he's coming to a meeting to go through um, a parking lot protocol.
2: Come on in. This, ladies and gentlemen, is our special guest. Sorry I'm late. Somebody parked in the handicap parking space.
0: Hey everyone, I'm Billy Merchant. You may have seen me around here before. I'm the properties manager of this office park. You are so brave. You
2: are so brave. Thank you.
0: Actually, I've been meaning to come by here for a long time. But
2: it's hard for you, right? Because you're in a wheelchair. <laughs> no, I just have a lot of properties to manage. Let me ask you something. How long does it take for you to do something simple every day, like, like brush your teeth in the morning?
1: I don't know, like 30 seconds. Oh, my
2: God. That's three times as long as it takes me. How did you get in your wheelchair? This morning? Like every other morning, just climbed on in. Hey, 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 hey! Not funny, not funny!
0: Hey, hey, relax. <laughs> just uh, joking around here.
2: Well, that's good. He no. still has a sense of humor.
0: Listen, I've actually used a chair since I was four years
2: old. I don't really notice it anymore. Well, they do. They notice it, don't you? <laughs> you notice it. It's the first thing you saw when he rolled in here, isn't it?
1: <laughs> what he rolled in. Yeah, it's that's so fucking good. So, by the way, the actor that they, cho- they chose for this bit role... He appears in four episodes throughout the whole series and he actually is disabled in real life. So that's chill as fuck Um, as well. Like I, I think what I was trying to get at earlier, the whole form of the office and how it derives comedy and how it generates like empathy for its characters, which allows you to tolerate the cringe. I think that really lends itself to, to disabled humor because so much of the comedy of our lives is in like uncomfortable moments with able-bodied people who like haven't really figured us out yet or are like extremely uncomfortable in the realm of disability so yeah this moment is great like they don't give uh billy that's the character name they don't give billy a talking head like a moment where he speaks directly in front of the camera uh first person so we don't necessarily see inside his head or or get to read his thoughts but he is a fully formed person when he comes into the scene and he's confronted with ignorance that you can tell that he encounters on a daily basis. So it's appalling for the able-bodied people in the crowd at the meeting that Michael's talking this way. And it's also appalling for the audience, presumably, but it's not really that big of a deal for him. He takes it totally in stride. He's able to make a joke. He doesn't get deeply offended or confrontational. He just fucking gets out of there as quickly as he can. And I'd like that he kind of comes in like in media res. He doesn't get like a total introduction or anything like that. I like that he um, we don't really get to see into his life too, too much because it it also implies that he has a life beyond the show and potentially even that he's like better than or less dysfunctional than the existing cast of The Office because they've had to function in this fundamentally dysfunctional workplace environment for so long. They've learned to tolerate Michael and to, to, to take everything that he does as though there's a degree of normalcy to it. And this wheelie is above that. He probably works for a more functional sub department of Dunder Mifflin or something. So there's like a bunch of sort of like suggestions about the, um, the competence and the, the fortitude of this guy.
0: That's a great point. Like they didn't just make him some aloof character who is just there to drive the plot forward. Like he makes Michael insecure, which I mean is maybe not the hardest thing to do, but also is enough to demonstrate that he's like a actual. I kind of wish he was in a bit more of the the shows, but I think that's just because I want like. Uh, one disability to be injected more into everything. But yeah. I think when they used him, they used him efficiently.
1: I think they they do a better job even than a show like uh, Superstore, which had dozens of episodes across five years to flesh out the one disabled character that it, that they have. And I suppose we'll talk about that show in more depth when we actually yeah. cover it. But the, like Mindy does a lot with this. Uh, side character in the few episodes that he appears. Yeah.
0: There's one other... Actually, before we get into that, I also think this line is pretty funny where right after Michael crashes in the bathroom, he gets mad that nobody helped him and he's kind of like reprimanding the whole office.
2: Imagine if you had left Stevie Wonder on the floor of that bathroom instead of me. Oh, we wouldn't. We love Stevie Wonder.
0: (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah.
2: I like hurt a- my foot.
0: I love Phyllis's response where she's just like, Oh yeah, we we wouldn't do that. We love Stevie. And the the way she delivers it, there's no implication beyond, Oh yeah, we love Stevie. And she's not even thinking about how that would affect Michael's ego. She's yeah. just fantasizing about what would happen if Stevie Wonder was in the bathroom.
1: Yeah, and she um she's not even trying to protect or shield Michael from her actual opinion because he's just being so insufferable today that like, he doesn't really deserve any kind of accommodation from anyone.
0: But it brings up a larger point, which is something we've talked about a bit, but something that I thought of when I heard this line is just people obviously will only help you if they want to. And even though in my environment, most of, a lot of the times people come in to help me purely because that's their job but there are things you can do to make it a nicer thing for a nicer time for people and if you don't do that I'm always conscious that I will be the first person like kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier uh, because so many people dislike my morning call because it's long and I shower and it gets steamy and it's Rolling me around is difficult, and I appreciate all of those things. They're all true, and I wish none of them were true. You know, I wish it was a quick, simple process to get me into my chair in the morning, but it just isn't. And I have to deal with that fact every day. The attendants have to deal with that fact whenever they come in, but I'm also conscious of the fact that because it's a difficult routine. If I wasn't so strict with the boundary that I need to shower every day and I started loosening that, I, I truly believe, and I could be wrong, but I truly believe that it would sort of open the door for them to cut my shower more frequently than someone whose shower is less of a grind. Yeah.
1: Um, your program is broken. Yeah. Because they prioritize the work that is less difficult rather than like their how they prioritize care is completely opposite of how it should be, but
0: all that to say, if I was Stevie Wonder, I probably would never have to worry about my cancel my shower being cancelled.
1: that's true, but then what you're sort of implying is that see the reason that they're not showering you is not because you are Michael Scott. It's not because you burnt your foot on a fucking George Foreman grill and you're trying to like use it to enact some fantasy in which you're dependent upon um the people you're trying to ingratiate yourself to. But rather it's like they're just avoiding work. They're pinching care pennies.
0: And there is like a significant shortage of staff. But that's not your problem. I've had the fantasy before with like what would it be like to be like a disabled celebrity and then you have attendant care? Your,
1: your, uh, your equivalent of rock and roll indulgence would be uh, for you to have attendance that make you a lot more food than you can eat.
0: My equivalent of rock and roll indulgence would be like, I don't want to shower today. And they'd be like, okay, no problem. What do you want? (laughs) (laughs) Like sometimes I feel like a rock star when my, egg is boiling in the water and someone's like, is there something else I can do for you? And I'm like, that is so
1: nice of you. Yeah. Yeah, You're like, I don't, I don't need cocaine and titties. I just want an extra hard boiled egg in the morning. Yeah. I've been meaning to
0: put my laundry away for a few weeks. (laughs) Since you're offering, I guess. Yeah. Like forget the all bowl.
1: Sorry. Forget the bowl of all red M&M's. Just hang my clothes for me.
0: Can you fold my shirts, please? <laughs> my rider is just like, and then I will wash my face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like,
1: that's in your contract. Like, I get one face wash before each performance. Yeah. They're like, whoa, whoa, Anthony. Mm-hmm. Slow your fucking roll. Who do you think you are, Mick Jagger? <laughs>
0: like, oh, man. I would like one M&M. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I would like one M&M fed to me by... My attendant who feeds me every day. (laughs) (laughs) I would like uh, replacement uh, casters for my power chair every uh, six months, which is a perfectly survivable and reasonable interval.
0: Imagine like being a politician and they have to like create a ramp just for you to get to a podium or something.
1: If you had like a smart ramp that like... Unfurled according to oh yeah your chair they roll
0: out the red ramp for me ah,
1: the red ramp <laughs> <laughs> that's your like that's how you know you've made it when you get a ramp to anywhere
0: or like a wheelchair accessible helicopter what that would be incredible
1: you could just drive your power chair right up on there they don't even put you in one of those yeah. awful uh, luggage carrying devices there's there's no such thing as pre boarding it's just boarding.
0: <laughs> I get to brush my teeth maybe after my dinner.
1: Oh my God. Are you kidding me? Proper dental, dental hygiene? What's wrong with you? You have to be Josh Blue before they do that for you. <laughs> Imagine like they interview Ryan O'Connell and that's what he starts listing off as the perks of celebrity. Like, yeah. go- Oh yeah, I get to go to bed whenever I want. I don't have to.
0: It doesn't matter. I've never had a sty from not having time to wash my face.
1: I can shave like I, I can be clean shaven whenever I choose.
0: <laughs> the number of times I'm like, can I shave today? And they're like, no, sorry, we're short. And then you're like, well, my beard is long, bitch. Honestly, sometimes I, uh, I'll i like, be like, what are you having for dinner tonight? I'll be like, I'll shave. <laughs> but you don't want food? I'm like, I don't have time for both.
1: You're like, my face is super itchy and I have nothing to scratch it. Wait, Tony, how do you scratch your face? I don't. Are you kidding me? So if your forehead started itching right now, what would you do?
0: Just call Jack? Like try to move my eyebrows around, hoping that I could like do it. If it was really bad, maybe I'd like fly, like probably this microphone beside me. I could like rub up on it like a disabled bear. When we
1: create our TV show called Tony Television.
0: That's not the name.
1: Okay, fine. Then make up a better name. But let me finish my joke um we'll have a bottle episode where you have an itchy forehead and the camera's just on your forehead while you're trying to scratch it
0: <laughs> it's just like 20 minutes of me trying to find something at the right height to scratch my head <laughs> yeah yeah i'm just like out and about hey do you mind if you just stand there for a second don't move your purse please yeah <laughs> <laughs> start rubbing my head on their bag Don't move your purse.
1: Hey, lady, I noticed you have Velcro on your coat. Can you just brush it up against me for a moment?
0: No, yeah. Like in the shower, my head gets so itchy. And to get like someone who isn't just washing my hair as quickly as they can, they actually give me a few seconds of like scratching my head. That's like instantly they just jumped to the top of my list of attendants.
1: Do you ever just tell them that when you're like onboarding them? Like, hey, listen, if you have some spare time and want to give me a head scratch, I'd love it.
0: <laughs> I have asked before and I've actually been, uh, people would be like, no. What? Yeah, they'll be like, no, it's not in your care plan.
1: <laughs> Can I ask you another stupid question? Tony, have okay. you ever s- sneezed and then had to <laughs> get
0: the attendants to put your head back up on your headrest? My sneezes are so pathetic. Really? It just sounds like I'm agreeing. <laughs> it's like mm. <laughs> <laughs> really, you've never had a good like head head bobbing sneeze? No, I don't even know what that's like. People say a sneeze is like an eighth of an orgasm. Yeah, I was, say, sure I, I, have...
1: I was about to say, I hope your orgasms are better than your sneezes.
0: Yeah, I'm just like, how good are your sneezes?
1: <laughs> But imagine if every time you sneeze, you had to get somebody to readjust your head. My sneeze
0: is literally just. Uh. <laughs>
1: I know that's so <laughs> funny. But, like, that would be so funny because, like, you'd have to stay home because you'd be readjusting your head anytime you got the sniffles.
0: One good thing about it is when I get bug bites uh-huh. and I can't scratch them,
1: they uh-huh. go away
0: very quickly.
1: Oh my God, that is like the worst example of the silver lining I've ever
0: heard in my life. <laughs> they are very effective. Like, uh, <laughs> it, it takes a level of self control to just accept it. it, itches, and there's nothing you can do about it. I don't know, man. But I definitely have, like, I watch people scratch and itch just like habitually without even noticing. And I look at them like, you don't know how good you've got it. <laughs>
1: We need to make like a super cut of all the things that you... That I get
0: jealous about?
1: Yeah, no, all the things that people around you take for granted. Yeah. And it would be like that funny voiceover of you being like, you motherfucker, look at you
0: sneeze. Look how easily you push that elevator button on the first try.
1: Yeah, go fuck yourself. Look how easy you hang your shirt in your closet.
0: You just threw on a jacket? I see that sometimes when people like... Throw a jacket on to go outside for four seconds. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, it takes me 10 minutes to put a jacket on.
1: There's a moment where Michael in this episode asks for help with his coat. And I was like, Mindy definitely knows a wheelie because every, <laughs> wheelie, every wheelie needs help with their fucking coat. I just stopped wearing coats. <laughs> 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 that is make,
0: but you freeze in the winter and then you can't move your hand. I just don't go outside. I go from my apartment to a bus to another apartment or wherever i'm going yeah and i'm outside for a total of like a minute
1: that's what i tell my dad when he uh, like asked me to get overdressed for winter because what happens is i end up wearing my coat at work all day because i get so i get so tired of taking it off and putting it on again and i i hate that intervening moment where it looks like i'm like you know like the you're trying to get over the point of no return with the coat. It's like mid, like it's between your shoulder blades and you're like trying to pull it over yourself. I get stuck in that position, like a scarecrow with problems. And uh, people will notice me in that mode and be like, can I help you with this? And you, you want to just be like, no, please don't. It's awkward. Just let me solve this awkwardness myself.
0: You just have to put, you're like, Oh no, I'm actually cold. (laughs) yeah do you want me to help you take your coat off it's 40 degrees in here you're like no i'm i feel a chill
1: it's just like weird like when people offer to help you finish dressing because there's something so intimate about dressing so when people help you with your article of clothing it's a little weird yeah it's like if you if you went like piss uh in the men's bathroom and your bro like offered to help do up your belt buckle for you
0: yeah, no thanks, yeah. bro. Hey, you want help with that zipper? <laughs> yeah. I feel that for sure. Like, when people when people are helping me with clothes, they're so afraid that they're breaking me because I look easily broken. And... <laughs> <laughs> imagine imagine they're like, how did he die? And,
1: and then and then they're like, oh, I just, I just did up his coat. I don't know what yeah. the fuck happened.
0: I was putting that right arm in. He <laughs> just collapsed but yeah i do kind of sort of like uh i in those moments when my arm is like a little bit bent or something in a weird position i have to just very calmly be like oh can you uh just move my arm down because i don't want to be like oh, oh wait that hurts
1: i just thought of another thing that i really like about that office episode is that like the the tone of the episode makes it feel like the office very easily could make fun of a person in a wheelchair and and make them part of the joke uh as much as any other character on the show like they are of course doing it in this case through michael who's just being a big baby but i i just like i get the sense that uh a disabled character would be roasted by
0: mindy if she had the opportunity yeah i think it would be fun to be friends with mindy Uh-huh. mindy seems like the type of person who you would feel comfortable going out with her because you know that she would just be real with you the whole time. Mm-hmm. So if she's uncomfortable doing something, she would just tell you and you would never have to worry about, are they cool with this or are they just being polite? The and that's fir- not to say I think she's rude. I just think she's honest.
1: She would have a constant, constantly running mental process in the background, trying to figure out the best way to tease you. Yeah. And that's, I think, what we don't see enough of in disability media is is jokes. Yeah, like even in special, which is supposed to be funny. That whole sex scene where Ryan gets like shit on his dick—that's supposed to be funny. Really that's supposed
0: can't.
1: to. I I can't let it go. I'm sorry, but that's supposed to be funny. It's supposed to be an American Pie moment, but it's it's not really that funny.
0: Well, this was funny because this again was relatable to the point. Where there's no way a disabled person was not in Mindy's life for this line. So this is just again a different episode. This is, I think, the last episode of the second season. Mm-hmm. But uh, same Billy character, and they're at a mixer, and uh, Michael is just being Michael. Comes up to Billy.
1: I'm gonna get a drink. Do you need anything?
0: Oh, I'm fine, thanks, sweetheart.
2: Your nurse is hot. It's my girlfriend. Your nurse became your girlfriend. Sweet. She was never my nurse. I met her at Chili's. She was my waitress. Chili's is great.
0: Like, that is such an inside baseball joke. The number of times, because I don't know if we've ever broken it down, but like, obviously, disabled people. Cannot have girlfriends. That's just a fact, right? Yeah, whoever. We know that to be true. Mm-hmm. Every disabled person who says they have a girlfriend, it's actually just their nurse or their mother or their sister or their aunt, uh-huh. or a single person who is asking to be hit on by bringing this disabled person out.
1: Oh, they're using the disabled person as a prop? Yeah. Like, like bringing, uh, bringing, A dog to the dog park?
0: The number of times I've been out with a girlfriend and had someone come up and hit on them. Yeah, you brought a dog to the dog park. And good for you because nobody brings a dog that looks like that.
1: Wait, a person will come up to your girlfriend right in front of you and start flirting with your girlfriend? Yeah. That's awful.
0: It's It's happened many times.
1: How are you such a nice person? I would just fucking lose it.
0: Well, generally the types of people I date are people who I just think it's funny and will either.
1: I don't, I don't mean them. I'd be pissed off at the pedestrian who thinks it's okay to fucking hit on your girlfriend.
0: Eh, whatever. I think it's, it's sort of like laugh so you don't cry one of those situations. Yeah. I just find the jokes because otherwise yeah, I would get angry, but I don't think that's going to do anything. Have you ever been confrontational in your life? Like,
1: have you ever gone from zero to red?
0: One time I had another really hit on my girlfriend.
1: Ooh. And that one kind of set me off
0: because I was like, you should know better. Like, he was like, wow, the nurses that you've got are pretty nice, eh? And I started hitting on her. Oh, gross. Yeah, we were like at a concert together. And yeah, he just like started hitting on her. And she was actually like, well, pretty quickly, like our oh, nice nurse and his girlfriend, he was like, "Oh," and then like stopped, but he had already like been pretty uh, forward at that point. Right. So you're just huming? I was. I wasn't confrontational. I was, I just like kind of gave him a look. Like, are you serious, dude? Like, I I expect it from able-bodied people because their worldview isn't all-encompassing. So they. Don't see that maybe a disabled person could be with a person who, A, maybe isn't in a wheelchair or B, is attractive. But with a disabled person, you'd think that, you know, you'd want to give someone the benefit of the doubt. I This sounds awful,
1: but I think there's a high degree of competition in wheelie circles.
0: That's true. That's probably why I was angry. I was like, maybe there was probably an element
1: of that. I don't mean competition from you. I mean, from the fucking asshole who started hitting on your girlfriend. Because it sounds like the most you did was furrow your brow and think to yourself, what a jerk.
0: Yeah. I was more disappointed in my people.
1: It disappointed in your people?
0: Yeah, like in the wheelie community. I was like, come on.
1: Oh, yeah. You
0: should know better. <laughs> but there is an interesting
1: dynamic when a, when a sort of like unsocialized wheelie Enters a wheelie circle and suddenly there's certain benefits of the doubt that no longer apply in uh interable social dynamics. Yeah. Like you will be evaluated more harshly for certain things, certain behaviors. I
0: love that though, because the other day I went out with a friend who was in a wheelchair, it was starting to get chilly, and my hand was starting to get cold. And obviously, when my hand gets cold, we've talked about it gets harder to drive my chair.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, I mentioned that as was go like, oh, for like, my hands starting to get cold. It's going to be one of those nights, I think. And he, we were just about to head up a ramp and he's like, oh, I guess this ramp's going to be fun for you, right? And it was, I loved it because he wasn't like, a lot of people would be like, oh no, are you okay? Like, is there anything I can do? Which was obviously a nice thing to do. <laughs> but it was kind of fun that, He was able to just be like, oh, Uh, all right. There was a
1: certain amount of good luck with that
0: shit in his voice. Yeah. And I'm I'm sure, like, I know if I needed help, he would have been able to help me. But at the same time, that wasn't his first reaction was to just, like, on me.
1: Yeah, that's like with you, like, kind of teasing me about this fucking viral video stuff. Like, at work. It's all unanimous. Like, oh, what a great video. You have such good friends. Yeah. Like, oh, uh, uh, yeah. One of the, I, I, I wish I had somebody who would perform that kind of gesture toward me.
0: And I'm just like, I agree with that guy who's like, all right, I'll watch a minute of a guy getting put into an elevator. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: You're like, big fucking whoop. I ride elevators all day.
0: Yeah. What else you got? Start competing. I start texting my friends, like, hey, man, we already got two (laughs) elevators in your house.
1: Yeah, you you guys got to 3D print me an entire apartment. (laughs) I got a
0: one-up, Jamie. I guess all that to say, the first assumption is that you're not dating, which is funny for me because I'm used to it and that's the way I cope. Uh But I've been in situations before, especially where I've started to be like see someone and it's still new and when that happens the first time or the first few times it's sort of devastating for the my girlfriend because the person i'm seeing obviously isn't used to it but what an insult to them too right to be like oh you wouldn't date that guy
1: oh you've chosen to date the undateable
0: yeah like what is wrong with you then
1: or like suddenly they should feel self conscious about their decision.
0: Yeah, because the implication is not the, w- what it should be. What should be you? You're now dating this guy who is otherwise not even considered. Great job, like not being held down by all of these ridiculous social standards. Yeah, and just finding someone that you want to be with. Instead, it's. What are you like what what's wrong with you for you to be with him?
1: right, yeah, there must be something wrong with the both of you, yeah, yeah. it's like it speaks to this idea that a lot of disabled people are are like exempted from certain emblems of social status like we like we don't even like we're not even evaluated on those terms,
0: yeah, people are just assuming that there's some catch like it can't just be the physical part of it doesn't really register with you or maybe even you're into it, you know, or devotees or something.
1: Mm-hmm. You remember the other day um, we were talking off podcast and we realized that our friend Andrew Gerza started a new, I guess, uh, program within his suite of podcasts. It's called Crypology and it's about the history of disabled people or the history of disability in general.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I haven't listened to an episode and I, I know that, um, that uh, Mr. Gerza like obviously does his homework and I, am not trying to knock his uh, podcast, but I was thinking like, what, what is meant by the history of disability is be like the joke could be like uh, the history of cripples starts in 1972 because it's like the first record of a disabled person existing. Like the first time we didn't want to like hide from our family trees that we had a fucking cousin with a limp left leg or something like that.
0: I hope he goes further back than that. I hope he like tracks down some mangled Neanderthal (laughs) skeleton (laughs) and some guy that made like a wheelchair out of old club parts.
1: Or it turns out that the person who invented the wheel was actually in a wheelchair, and, the, oh, yeah. and 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 the innovation of the wheel is a product of
0: disability itself. They just like lie you on three logs and start rolling the logs, and then they move the top log to the bottom and keep pushing. Yeah, but yeah, like the first, the first, there is no history because <laughs> the, what what is the history of? It's just a. Uh, there once was a disabled person.
1: <laughs> they died soon after.
0: <laughs> like they left they, him in the streets. They pushed him around in a wheelbarrow. Like all joking aside, there's probably some interesting things to realize about disability. Like before I watched Group Camp, I didn't realize just how dark and dreadful the living situation could be for some disabled people. Oh, yeah. It would be enlightening at the very least to go back and see how bad it used to be. Maybe at the very least to see where we are now and give ourselves some praise for that. But also, it might be sad to realize how we haven't actually come that far in some ways. But yeah, like, imagine the first disabled caveman.
1: No, (laughs) there were no disabled cavemen. They were thrown off a cliff.
0: Like, You give birth and the baby's, like, not able to walk. And there's, like, all right, leave him here.
1: Yeah, next. (laughs) Uh, I know that's really morbid, but, like, I think there's a reason that, like, the visibility of disabled people is proportional to technological advancement.
0: Yeah. If it weren't for technology, I would have died 30, 25 years ago. Yeah. Easily. And I'm not saying that to be morbid. It's just technology keeps me alive
1: does that mean that all luddites are ableists?
0: like you can't have a friend who lives in the forest because they just don't get you (laughs) yeah 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 exactly i'm off grid oh really how am i supposed to charge my wheelchair yeah yeah yeah, exactly how am i supposed to take a piss
1: and hang out with you at the same time motherfucker (laughs) anytime someone says to me like oh you gotta watch your screen time it's Like, oh, I gotta postpone my life then, motherfucker. No thanks. Then
0: you just have wall time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What am I gonna do? Stare at a tree? <laughs> I'm not high on shrooms. I'm not gonna talk to the fucking tree.
0: In the summer, I honestly do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. I would go to a park and just like be mesmerized by the bark on the tree. Does it doesn't it it... work. absurd. Like, it, for sure, someone has walked by being like oh maybe i should talk to him and then they <laughs> see me just staring at a tree and they're like oh no he you can't talk to him
1: isn't tinder a type of wood yes <laughs> it is <yeah. laughs> so like imagine if on tinder you like started staring at so many trees in the park that they they matched you with trees
0: <laughs> 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 it's a match spruce <laughs>
1: And you're like, oh Jamie, it turns out I uh I got I got some prospects. Yeah <laughs> I got maple, oak. <laughs> oh, and by the way, I forbid us to have a fireplace in our new apartment. Should <laughs> we do a wheel breaker? We it's been a while since we've done one. Yeah. Wheel
0: breakers. (laughs) I forgot how good that is. (laughs) You mean how fucking awful it is? That's so good. (laughs) I just imagining like medieval times, like the trumpet fanfare, and some guy rolls out in his wooden wheelchair, unfurls a long script, and it takes like an inordinate amount of time. And he's just like, And then the trumpets go off, he rolls out, unfurls his script, stares at it for like three seconds, and then just goes, wheel breakers! And then they roll him away. (laughs) We should get
1: Michael to make that animation for us.
0: That would be so funny. All right, what's your wheel breaker? All right, so you get
1: to be 100% (laughs) able-bodied. But you have to work at Dunder Mifflin in Jim Halpert's desk, and you sit across from from jenna fisher and that the catch is that she actually marries roy and you never get to ask her on a date
0: so your life is just sad well yeah yep um i mean (laughs) i don't even know where to take this without just instantly shutting it down but i mean i guess it would be kind of fun to play the worst part is like i can imagine at some point dwight finds a job Mm -hmm. And like Michael maybe gets promoted or something and you're still there and you see like the whole cast change around you Mm -hmm. and you're still just working this nine to five that you hate. Oh, It's just that there's no way to not make that depressing. Do you think that
1: being disabled in some way exempts you from a certain amount of like long-term wage labor?
0: I definitely think
1: that is that a stupid question?
0: No. I I think that there is... I have a more limited amount of energy than the average person. Mm-hmm. And that's a limit that I'm becoming increasingly aware of. Maybe the limit is decreasing at the same time. But it's enough that there are many jobs I don't think I could do. Not just because of the physical work involved, but because of the actual time Commitment like right now my job works out fairly well in my favor because like the schedule works out for me being able to work from home works for me and I'm not to say that there are not other employers that would do that there definitely are and they're increasing right now a lot of employers are a starting to see the value in remote work but also more importantly a lot of employers are starting to see the value in hiring a more diverse workforce, including accessibility. A lot of bigger teams have accessible departments purely based on accessibility that were unheard of even a few years ago.
1: Like like wings of the company designed to optimize accessibility within the organization?
0: Yeah, like I've talked to various companies that have positions called the head of accessibility. Can you get me an interview?
1: I just love the idea of being made a de facto expert because of my wheelchair. Like finally, for once, it's a fucking major asset. I love that. For sure.
0: Exactly. And that's what people are starting to realize, right? Is A better company values diverse perspectives because they realize everyone's different perspective enriches the wealth of the company and... Disability is a perspective that was otherwise ignored because maybe people thought it was more expensive to hire disabled people or whatever reason.
1: Because the first
0: documented wheelie was in
1: 1972. That's why.
0: Yeah. And before that, he had a wooden club wheelchair.
1: No, before that, there was just a giant hail of sacrifice.
0: <laughs> that gave it the rampant of. <laughs> okay. I'm not even. Going... <laughs> Um, Yeah, so I do think having a disability inherently limits you from the number of jobs. You know, I can't just go out and get a job flipping burgers if I'm I'm jobless. Yeah. But nowadays, there are more and more ways to create a career. And so I think it's less and less of an excuse, a factor. Mm -hmm. But it still is a factor because I think... Just like anything, even though maybe the most new age companies are starting to adopt these philosophies, there are still a lot of companies and industries that aren't there yet and still need to catch up.
1: Mm-hmm. Because their shareholders are all my dad's age?
0: Yeah. It's just about the bottom line. For But the, the thing is that like, people are realizing that you actually can grow your bottom line by also growing the perspectives because... Anyway, I don't want to get into that, but it's a yes. I think that to answer your question, like yes and no, but more no than yes these days.
1: That is entirely clear.
0: Yeah. Okay,
1: so wheel. All
0: right, Jamie, I'm going to make you fully able-bodied. Uh-huh. But from now on, as your able-bodied self, everything you do, even the little stuff, ends up Going viral on national news. Oh, God. <laughs> that, that's a great one. You take a dump. And then tonight on the national, <laughs> Jamie Mendek has a bell movement.
1: Yeah. More after the hour. <laughs> on tonight's moment, <laughs> Jamie Mendick has a
0: movement. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking news. Jamie Mendick has dropped his phone. Here is Clarissa with details. Hi, Jamie. Can you please explain what was going through your mind as soon as that phone slipped out of your hand? (laughs) It's basically like you're on the Truman Show. Yeah. But it's like you know what's happening, but you can't stop it.
1: So every day I have to do like
0: several interviews? Press interviews, yeah. And it doesn't feel. Well, maybe it will to you, but I can't imagine it would feel glamorous in any way. What it well, that's the thing, like if if the small thing appealed to my ego,
1: then I could probably do it for a few days. A few days. Yeah, like if it's like breaking news, like Jamie Mendick made four people laugh in the break
0: room and then
1: I went on. No, the news it wouldn't and- be
0: stuff like that. <laughs> it wouldn't be stuff that you want. It would be like tonight on the national. Jamie Mendick goes on a date. It doesn't go well. More details to follow. <laughs> it doesn't go well. <laughs> yeah, well. You know how the news works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just going to be whatever gets eyes, and controversy gets eyes.
1: Tonight on the National, Jamie mendex scratched himself in front of people.
0: <laughs> Tonight on the National, was this an erection? <laughs> it's a question
1: (laughs) it wasn't it wasn't that i got bruce is on scene to
0: investigate he just puts the microphone right up to the (laughs) to the half job it's like various pictures like no i think it was just a crease in the pants it goes (laughs) to like third-party interviews we have an eyewitness statement well he didn't seem aroused but (laughs) it was noticeable for sure I remember I was with my children, and my, oh my son said, Mom, what is that? <laughs> and I said, it's just his pants, dear. <laughs> 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 Every, everything has to be embarrassing? Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> I'll give you one happy story per week. <laughs> what would be the happy story? It would be like, tonight on the National, the awkward date turns to a second oh yeah
1: uh no uh wheel i I couldn't do it
0: why not
1: because even the positive story was kind of like it was a bit much by the end of the week
0: so was there a positive story that you would have been more okay with like what if it was like like every friday they they give like a highlight of your week
1: and it's like all the cool shit i
0: did yeah it's like a highlight reel of everything you did that week and then Saturday, right back to, why did he take his shirt off here?
1: I Yeah, no, the highlight reel would be embarrassing. So no, I wouldn't do it. Okay. The highlight reel would be like, Jamie had a gourmet salad on Wednesday
0: <laughs> at, at, at noon. It's just like live streaming, you trying skydiving for the first time.
1: Oh, I couldn't skydive. I'd shit myself.
0: Not even as an able-bodied person?
1: <laughs> Not even close. Really? It would never happen. I would. I, co- I couldn't I could do it.
0: I want to try it so badly as myself.
1: I'd rather have 10 colonoscopies in a row than fucking
0: skydive. I dread my first colonoscopy. <laughs> as we've talked about, I have no idea how I'm getting that up.
1: I mean, who isn't? If you're excited for your colonoscopy, you're probably a psycho.
0: And on that note... I just, again, as Jamie mentioned, we've had a little bit of an uptick and we appreciate the love. So thanks again for all your support. Thanks for watching. And by watching, I mean listening because we still don't do video, but one day maybe.
1: You really want me to go on camera, don't you?
0: I'm looking at you right now. Why wouldn't you? I don't know.
1: You're- I guess now that I've had everyone see me on camera in in a in my non- Nat, like, in my, what the fuck am I trying to say? I've had everyone see me on camera in my non default wheelchair looking slightly uncomfortable and crooked.
0: Yeah, may, what are you worried about?
1: I don't know. It's all shame. It's just, a, it's just, my life is a fucking Steve McQueen movie, except I don't have Fastbender's dick. All right. Okay, fine. Goodbye, everyone.
0: All right, guys. Thank you so much. Take care.
1: You really didn't want me to talk about that fucking shit scene, (laughs) eh?